My name is Mark McGuinness, and this is the 21st Century Creative, the podcast that helps you thrive as a creative professional amid the demands, the distractions, and the opportunities of the 21st century. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Creative Disruption Season of the 21st Century Creative, where we are hearing stories of creatives around the world who came up with a creative response to the challenges of the pandemic. This week, we are off to Tokyo to meet Ichi Hatano, a wonderful artist whose work has deep roots in the traditional arts of Japan. He has worked as a tattoo artist since 1998 and also produces suibokuga, a type of traditional inkwash painting. Before the pandemic, Ichi's tattoo studio did a lot of business with foreign tourists, so the restrictions hit him with a double whammy. Firstly, he wasn't allowed to have customers in his shop during the periods of strictest regulations. And secondly, even when the restrictions eased, foreign tourists were still not allowed into Japan for a very long time. Faced with these challenges, Ichi switched from creating images on paper and skin to a digital canvas. He took part in Crip Tokyo, Japan's very first NFT art show, exhibiting and selling his digital artwork alongside other artists including Beeple and Maxim, the frontman from The Prodigy. In this interview, Itchy tells me about his journey as an artist and the new creative and commercial opportunities he is discovering in the world of NFT art. It's a fascinating conversation where a centuries-old tradition meets the latest trends in the 21st century creative economy. Last week, I started to take stock of what we can learn from these interviews in the creative disruption season by tracing four basic paths that creatives have taken through the pandemic. The least disrupted creatives experienced business as usual or something very close to it. Next were the many people who were focused on survival, as their normal way of earning a living had been severely disrupted or even taken away from them. Thirdly were the creatives who reinvented themselves by doing something new and creative in response to the pandemic disruption. And last but not least were the ones who made a contribution to their industry or their community by stepping up to help others. Today, I'm going to take a closer look at the stories of reinvention from this season to see if there are any patterns we can discern here that could help you and I be more creative and resilient in our own careers. These were big questions for me as I started work on this season. Who are the creatives who are thriving in the midst of all the chaos? What are they doing differently? 
are they just lucky? Or is there something that we can learn from their example? Now, obviously, we can't discount luck. For example, if you were a novelist used to writing and publishing from home, you were luckier than a stage performer whose work requires a live audience. If you were in a rich country with a government that cared enough about the arts to offer decent financial support, you were luckier than someone in a poorer country or a more philistine government. If you didn't have childcare responsibilities that interfered with your work, you were luckier than the parents locked down with small children and a demanding boss or customers. So, I tried to minimise the effect of luck by firstly focusing on creative fields and industries that were the hardest hit by the pandemic. I spoke to people in industries where the pandemic had made things really hard, where a lot of people's work and business had been severely disrupted. Industries like theatre, music, film and TV production, experiential marketing and live events. I also made a real effort to get stories from around the world. I only have 10 slots per season, so it's by no means a comprehensive sample in this respect, but I'm proud of the fact I managed to get stories from creatives living on five different continents and in seven different countries to get something of a global perspective on the pandemic. But having whittled things down in this way, and focusing solely on the creatives who reinvented themselves in a major way, one distinction really jumped out at me as I listened back to these interviews that separated the reinventors into two groups. In the first group were the creators who were forced into doing something new by external circumstances. And they had to go against their usual creative instincts and inclinations. For these people, necessity really was the mother of invention. Stephen Kunis had no interest in making films or in doing online theatre productions, but he had to rethink his work when the theatres closed. Earl Abrahams was very happy skating and walking the streets of Johannesburg and taking photos of the people and places he encountered. His lockdown series of photographs was only born when he was confined to his apartment block. Laura Davis had always resisted the idea of teaching online because for the deep personal transformation that she facilitates, she said... It just wouldn't be the same. But when she had to cancel all her retreats, it was online or nothing. Charlotte Abrams was in the middle of booking a big tour for one of her musicians. And as she said, being a performer is an identity for musicians. But when all the gigs were taken away, she had to rethink her role as a music manager. So... All of these people were in the involuntary reinvention category, if you like. But in other interviews, I noticed that the seed of reinvention was an idea that my guest had already started working on long before the pandemic came along, which had always been blocked either by external obstacles or internal resistance. 
Amrita Kumar had an idea for sending product samples by post as a new channel for her experiential marketing agency. But in India, consumers were reluctant to put their personal contact details into websites. And most of her clients preferred the tried and tested approach of talking to consumers face to face. But faced with lockdown, Indian consumers suddenly became a lot more comfortable with online transactions. And her clients were willing, in some cases even desperate, to try something new. Harrison Winter, Brandon Block and Lagan Siebert had been doing remote TV and film shoots for many, many years. But they often had to work hard to persuade their clients to go with what they saw as a risky option. Then COVID closed film sets all around the world. And the team suddenly found the current flowing their way. When they saw the opportunity and founded a new company, Home Team, to connect clients and filmmakers all over the world, it felt like the fulfilment of a long-cherished dream. Nikki Mondellini had a vision of launching a podcast to promote her voiceover business, but had never quite got round to it. Then her acting gigs were all cancelled, and she needed to generate new business so the podcast shot up her priority list. So what can we conclude from all of this? It's easier to innovate if you've laid the foundation. The curious ones, the adventurous ones, who were already leaning into the future, who were ahead of the curve, were the ones who found it easiest to adapt when the world was turned upside down. When I talked to these people, there was a sense of relief when they told the story. Finally, I got to do this thing I'd been wanting to do for ages. They had been impatient, waiting for the world to catch up, or frustrated, wishing they had the time or the courage to go for it on a bigger scale. Then the world shifted and the opportunity opened up and they jumped in with both feet. In some interviews, I even detected a well-earned hint of, I told you so. I knew this was a great idea. I knew it would work. And finally, I get to prove it. So, think about this as you look to the future in this uncertain 21st century world. If you habitually resist the future you could well be among the hardest hit next time disaster or disruptions strike. But if you're leaning into the future, looking for new ways of doing things, you have a chance of being ahead of the curve, of protecting yourself from the worst of the impact, and maybe even riding the wave of change and finding exciting new opportunities. So how can you start to do this, particularly if you're something of a nostalgic romantic who isn't exactly chomping at the bit for new technologies and jetpacks and interstellar travel and so on? Well, if you ask me, a really good place to start would be to listen to all the interviews 
in the creative disruption season, even if the stories are from outside of your creative field. Because as you've heard me say on this podcast many times, what you should really be listening for is the attitude, the curiosity that led to creative reinvention. Also, look around you at the people in your creative field who are currently thriving, the ones who had a good pandemic, in inverted commas. Follow them on Twitter, listen to their podcast, read interviews with them, find out what they're working on now. Because they are leaning into the future and you can probably learn a lot by looking over their shoulder. Okay, next week I will tell you about the path I took through the pandemic and how I found myself unexpectedly ahead of the curve and very grateful for it. If you're enjoying the 21st Century Creative... You may like to know there is more to this podcast than meets the ear. To help you succeed in your creative career or business, I've created an in-depth program, the 21st Century Creative Foundation Course. It covers the personal and professional skills you'll need to succeed as a creative professional in the 21st century. In other words, the stuff they probably didn't teach you at art school on your creative writing masters, or wherever else you learned your craft. Things like how to manage your time, how to communicate your ideas, how to handle difficult conversations, how to close a sale, how to deal with money, how to grow your network, and how to attract an audience for your work. Altogether, there are 26 lessons in the course, full of practical advice, plus a worksheet for each one to help you put the ideas into practice. And I'm giving you the entire course for free. In case you can't quite believe your ears, go to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash free course and see for yourself. When you get there, you can sign up with just an email address and you'll get your first lesson right away. By the way, the course has already been taken by over 11,000 students. And on the sign-up page, you'll see lots of testimonials from other creatives whose lives and careers have been changed by the course. You can join them right now for free by going to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash free course. Right back in episode three of the very first season of the 21st Century Creative, I introduced something old, something new as one of the mottos of this podcast. And today I have a guest who embodies the spirit of old and new in the traditional arts and futuristic innovations of Japan. Ichi Hatano is an artist based in Tokyo, He has worked as a tattoo artist since 1998, and he also creates Sui Bokuga and digital artworks. Sui Bokuga is the centuries-old art of inkwash painting on washi paper. 
Side by side with these paintings, Ichi built up a very busy and successful tattoo studio in Tokyo with a signature style inspired by his favorite ukiyo-e artists from the Edo period of Japan. Artists like Katsushika Hokusai and Utagawa Kunyoshi, who created images that were reproduced and sold as woodblock prints. In late 2019, just before the pandemic hit, Ichi was employing three more tattooists plus a full-time studio manager, and they were fully booked six days a week, with the majority of their business coming from overseas tourists who wanted a very special souvenir of their trip to Japan. Then along came the pandemic, and the restrictions meant that not only was his tattoo studio closed for many months, but foreign tourists were also barred from entering the country. So Itchy's business shrank from six days a week to only one or two clients a month, which meant he had a lot of time on his hands, and he came up with three very different creative projects in response to his changed circumstances. The first one was a beautiful book of his Suibokuga paintings called Ichi Hatano's Dragons, which he crowdfunded on Kickstarter. The second project is an ongoing DIY renovation project at a traditional house in the Japanese countryside, which he plans to turn into an art gallery. And the third venture was his entry into the world of crypto art and NFTs. Ichi took part in Cryptokyo, Japan's very first in-person NFT art show, exhibiting his digital artwork alongside notable Japanese artists and international icons, including Beeple and Maxim from The Prodigy. The show attracted national press and television coverage in Japan and established Ichi as one of the country's leading digital artists. In this conversation, Ichi tells me about his inspirations and his art and business pre-pandemic. He then talks me through his three very different and successful pandemic projects. This is a really special interview. I feel very lucky I was able to connect with Ichi and share his story with you. As always, if you go to the show notes at 21stCenturyCreative.fm, you will find a full transcript of the interview and links to the websites and projects we mention in the interview. And I really do encourage you to check out the notes for this interview. We've got some gorgeous images and videos for you to look at. You really have to see them to appreciate the combination of traditional craft and cutting-edge innovation in the work of Ichi Hatano. Ichi, how did you become an artist? Um... I didn't have uh, any official art training. I left school at 15 because it was difficult being in a group and environment. Oh. I like, yeah, I, I, I like studying myself. I was drawing a lot. Yeah, and then studying art by myself. Huh. Yeah. So what artists inspired you the most? Um... I like ukiyo-e artists from the late Edo period. 
which、mm-hmm. is the 19th century. Ukiyo-e、mm-hmm. is a Japanese woodbrook prince. My favorite artists are Keisai Eisen,、mm-hmm. Katsushika Hokusai,、mm-hmm. Utagawa Kunyoshi.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, this kind of era. Artist. Okay. So, so I think a lot of listeners will know Hokusai's wave.、Mm-hmm. Yes. Of Kanagawa. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a, maybe a really, really famous image. But there's an awful lot of other Ukiyo-e images yeah, yeah. and artists.、Yes. Mm-hmm. And、um, so, why did you become a tattoo artist?、Um, it's hard to say why you like something. If you like、hmm. it, you like it. <laughs> And,、uh, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I got my first tattoo at 20 years old. Oh, really? That's when I decided I wanted to become a tattoo artist.、Um, I specialize in Japanese traditional design.、Uh, mm-hmm. Those types of designs are reference from Ukiyo-e. Right. So, this, I mean, it's really classic Japanese art as a. Tattoo.、Mm-hmm. Um, and is it true that tattoos are a bit controversial in Japan? That maybe some places, like if you go to an onsen bath, maybe they don't like you to have a tattoo? Yes, it's true. Tattoos are taboo in Japan. However, I think it's getting better bit by bit. That will bring a change in attitude in the future. Great. Well, hopefully that will be good for your business and your art if people change <laughs> that attitude.、Yeah. So, if we think about late 2019, before COVID appeared, what did your work and your business look like at that time?、Um, before COVID, my tattoo studio was very busy. I was working six days a week, always fully、mm-hmm. booked. Wow. And the studio had three more artists and a full time manager.、Um, over 90% of my clients were, were from overseas visiting Japan. Oh, so there were a lot of people were tourists. Yes. Who wanted a, a classic Japanese tattoo. Exactly. When they came to Tokyo. Right.、Yeah. Okay. And they don't worry about the taboo. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, how did COVID affect your work and your business as a tattooist?、Uh, when COVID started, Japan closed the border. We had a state of emergency. At the slowest time, I only had one or two clients a month. I always like uh, uh, trying, trying new things. So, Using free time, I did a big three project.、Uh, first, I published a book. For the first few months of COVID,、mm-hmm. uh, I painted a hundred traditional Japanese dragons using sumi ink on washi paper. And I made a book called Ichihatano's Dragons.、Mm. I wanted to publish a book for a long time and I was interested in crowdfunding, so I used Kickstarter.、Uh-huh. It was sold out immediately. 
it was great success. So I I would like to do another one in the future. And is the book available now? Can can my listeners go and buy a copy of the book? It's actually sold out. <laughs> oh really? Gosh, yeah. so it'd be a very a collector's item. <laughs> yeah, kind of like this. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe we can link to the book so people can see. Um, because you've got some very beautiful dragon images, which, as you say, it's a very traditional image in um, yeah. in Japan. And washi paper? Yes, washi paper. That's very special, isn't it? Yes, uh, very soft, like um, sometimes Western people say it's rice paper or something. Yes. So is that not true? Yeah, but um, it's not exactly. Uh, it's not from the lights, actually. That's I use. That's a myth. Yeah, it's uh, different uh, uh, prints, but uh, mm. yeah, very soft paper. And this is a very traditional kind of art with the sumi ink and the washi paper, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Ex- yeah. Okay. So that was your first project in COVID. Did you yes. say there were three? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So let's have num- let's say number two. For the second project, me and my partner Lola bought an abandoned house in the countryside, and then we have been doing DIY renovation. At the same time, shooting a video which we put on YouTube. Uh huh. It's a traditional Japanese house next to. Japan's second largest lake, surrounded by lotus fields, rice fields. That sounds amazing. It's a beautiful environment. Where is it in Japan? Uh, in Ibaraki Prefecture. Ibaraki. So, yes, it's a little bit north of Tokyo. We've got three buildings in the property. Mm-hmm. I I plan to open an art gallery, a coffee shop, and guest house in one of them. Wonderful. It's only one and a half hours drive from Tokyo. But the land cost is about 200 times cheaper than Setagaya in Tokyo, where we live. Right, right. The property market in Japan is quite different in the countryside. Yes, very to the city. Don't they want to encourage people to move to the countryside or to use the, the buildings? Is that right? Yes. So I could do creative things while keeping social distancing. Yes, it's, it's easier to have social distance in the countryside than Tokyo. Yeah. So this is the second project. And is there a video on YouTube that I can link to? Yes. Great. Okay. Well, I will make sure we put that in the show notes and we we link to it on YouTube. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I'm very curious to see. Maybe I could come and see your gallery when it's finished. <laughs> yes. <year>. Please come. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, I will let um, when it's when it's open. Maybe in a future season, I will let the listeners know. Yes. Thank you so and much. And we will we will send some visitors to your mm-hmm. gallery and your coffee shop. Yes. Okay, so that was so you did the book was project number one, the house yes. is project number two, and so what was project number three? So the third project was starting NFT art 
which I know you want to talk about more. Yes, yes. I'm very, so I have friends who are, and clients who are making NFT art. I have some friends who are very enthusiastic, but mm -hmm. I don't know so much about it myself. So, so maybe you could tell me, where, where did you get the idea of creating NFT artwork? Mm, I've been doing digital artwork for a long time uh, using uh, iPad. Mm -hmm. So one of my tattoo clients, Sasha Bailey, has an NFT platform called Bay, which is blockchain art exchange. Mm -hmm. And he introduced me to the idea. Hmm. And what did you think? Uh, to be honest, at, at the beginning, I didn't understand what, what is this. <laughs> it's not so, easy to understand, is, is it? <laughs> yes. And then the, actually, Sasha is a, still young. young. So, mm -hmm. um, at the beginning, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so, um, so it's a bit like, I mean, if anybody's listening to this and they, they're new to NFTs, it's a little bit like, the way I think about it is that an NFT is like having an actual object. It, normally, if you have a digital object on the internet, you can mm -hmm. copy it. You can get thousands of copies of the same thing. But with an yes. NFT, it's, there's just one object. It's like having a, an actual painting or a drawing. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And it's recorded on the blockchain, right? So everything yes. is, can be certified that this is your artwork, for instance or your digital file, whatever that contains. Yes. And so how did you get started with the NFTs? I believe you took part in a, an exhibition at Cryptokyo. So Cryptokyo was the first physical NFT art show in Japan. Mm -hmm. It was organized by and sponsored by Grow Your Base. Mm -hmm. He was in Ultra Super New Gallery in Harajuku. Uh huh. There was a lot of press, and um, it was on TV in Japan too. Mm. It was a great experience, and my work was sold out. Really? Yeah. That must have been very satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. So, um, what kind of opportunities do NFTs offer to artists? It's a new art market. So it's an opportunity for more people to see your artwork. Mm -hmm. That I think. And in terms of the financial reward, I mean, if you've got, if you have one digital artwork, then that becomes more valuable, right? It's a bit like selling a painting because yes. that, there's just one copy of it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of artists say that the internet has taken, has made it harder in some ways to earn a, a living. But do you mm. think there's an opportunity with NFTs and the blockchain that more of the value can go to the artist? So from the artist side, so that doing the uh, process is the same. So, and then put the blockchain, yeah. so uh, put the NFT, then put the body on it. Right, yes. Value of the art. Mm -hmm. So um, I think um, even like a not digital or like a physical things, mm -hmm. it, so that things uh, put the value on it. 
for the yeah. collector or who wants yes. to get it. Yeah. Yeah. So if 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 it's、uh, not only one, so the value is going down. Yes. So the things NFTs are、uh, put on the value on the digital artwork. So because digital artwork is a、uh, easy to copy. Right, right, and so it solves that problem in a way, or potentially. That's what we hope: is、mm-hmm. that artists, if a collector thinks I can only buy one image, and if I buy this image, or if I have this NFT, no one else has it, then it's valuable for people to spend money the same way、yeah. they would buy an oil painting or a washi, yeah,、uh, exactly, painting. Yes,、um, and then so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully,、mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for artists. Yes, hopefully,、yeah. um, to earn more from their work. We don't know、yeah. how it will work. People have、yeah. thought <laughs> when the internet first came along, we thought it would make life easier, and in some ways it did. In some ways, it made more problems. So,、mm-hmm. who knows which way that NFTs will go? Yeah, but、um, it's a new things. But it must have been very exciting to be part of the very first show in Tokyo, in in first one in Japan, wasn't it? Yes, yes, first physical NFT show in Japan. Yeah. Okay, and okay. So NFTs are also controversial for some people,、mm-hmm. aren't they?、Mm-hmm. Um, one big concern is obviously around the environmental impact of the technology behind them. What about in Japan?、Uh, how how do people perceive NFTs?、Mm, I'm not、uh, an expert, but I think Japan was slow to join the NFT market.、Mm-hmm. Japan is normally cautious about most of the new things,、hmm. but when NFT is coming, it seems like people are positive about the environmental side. I hope the technology will challenge itself and improve through trial and error. Yeah, I think that's a very nice way of putting it because that technology will challenge itself because, on the one hand. There's a lot of technology going towards the creation of the NFTs, and、yeah. hopefully the opportunities that will create. But as we know, there's the envir- big environmental questions, and I think that is a challenge. As you say, it's a challenge for the technologists to solve it. If you can solve one problem, maybe you can solve this problem. Yeah, like、uh, that. My point is, trial and error is a very important. I think.、Mm-hmm. So just cautious is not going to happen. Anything, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a very good point. You've got to try, and I think that applies to art too. Maybe my experience、yeah. with poetry: trial and error, quite often.、Yeah. Yes, how you make discoveries. Yeah. So okay. So, what have you learned from the process of? Of going from tattoos and washi paper to making NFT artwork, making art, the process is kind of same for me. For example, tattoo for skin,、mm-hmm. painting on washi paper,、mm-hmm. using iPad, it's kind of same process for me. But、mm. I learned about NFT and crypto blockchain. I like getting knowledge, especially about new things. 
So this, I mean, this interests me about you because you have a very traditional art. It goes all the way back to Ukiyo-e, Edo period, classic mm -hmm. Japanese yeah. artists. But you're also interested in the future, in technology. <laughs> yeah. Is this something personal to you, or do you think it is a very Japanese characteristic of the culture? Uh, probably, I don't know. I, I, I know only my things. So <laughs> 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 but you like the balance of the two, the old and the new. Uh, yes. Uh, it, it's have to adjusting the em, uh, era or environment today. Otherwise... Mm -hmm just some of the traditional art is just disappeared huh. like uh, you know um, traditional is uh, the keeping the I mean for example for example ukiyo-e yeah uh, in a later the period lots mm -hmm. of um, painter or also uh, investor maybe I don't know how mm -hmm. to call and then there's a carving people, craftsmen too, and then printer too. There's a three section. That's right. Because you had, didn't you have the, the, was the artist and then the, the carver carved the wood for the wood block. Yes. And then the printer would put ink on it and, and do the actual printing. So I guess in those days, it's a bit like digital art of that, because you could have one image and you'd have lots of copies, right? Yes. So that, mm. that uh, print, printer Skill is a go no skill uh, technology or mm -hmm. is a going up or improve. Yeah. So, but also if the the ukiyo-e is the not 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 popular, then no one pay the money. So yeah. the also the craft money is gone. Yeah. The market is just shrink. So mm -hmm. it's just stop. Mm. That's the one of the traditional art problem, I th I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, if there's a new market, new art market, uh -huh. so it's the chance to keep the traditional art for the future. Right, right. So it keeps the tradition going. Yeah, kind. Yeah, but yeah, even like a little bit changing, yeah, like a improve or yes, yes. You know, when you describe that, you know, it makes me think, well, we think ukiyo-e, 19th century, very old-fashioned, very traditional. But I guess for them, it would have been new technology. Mm -hmm. It was a new market, a new economy. Yeah. yeah. And that's really what you're doing with NFTs today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is exploring the new technology and the new market. Yeah. So the, the tradition needs to change to keep going. I mean, not all of them, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're exploring this. I mean, this could be a, a, a path to the future, or who knows? Maybe it, maybe it turns out it doesn't work out so well. Um, we all thought social media would be wonderful, and it's not so, not so wonderful now. But, but if you're not exploring, if you're not experimenting, then you never find out, if you say, if you're just cautious then you don't discover. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so that's the artistic side. Um, how has your business benefited from having NFT works? Mm, more people can see my work and mm. new experience. 
like coming on this podcast. Right. Uh, the benefits, I feel. So it's more visible than art on paper or somebody's body in some context. Yes, I think so. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to share? Because, you know, we're, one of the things we're talking about this season is how artists and creatives change direction because of the pandemic. You know, is there anything you would like to share about changing your direction in the pandemic? As I said, um, like a challenging is a very important. So mm-hmm. life is short. So I hmm. feel like I've been start to think more about how to spend my limited time. I wanted to do more big project, but if each one take a few years, I can do a lot. So I have to think more carefully. Ha, huh, that's a really good point. <laughs> so last year, I, I was 50 years old last year, and I started to think like this. <laughs> I don't have so much time. <laughs> Especially a big project. Right, exactly. How, you know, how, how long have I got? To, to do these things and so <laughs> I can I can appreciate that and I think you know it's a really good point that COVID really did make us think about well what are we doing with our time how much have we got left and, and what do you want to create so so it's wonderful that you came out with three new big projects you've got the book you've got the house which will be a gallery you've got the NFT direction is Tattoo business, is that picking up yet? I know tourists, are, there's only a very small number of tourists in Japan right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, just for me, quite enough busy. Yeah? Oh, yes. good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good. I'm glad that's the case. Yeah. Thank so, you so much. Yeah. Okay, Ichi, I think this would be a great time for us to set the listener your creative challenge. So if you are listening to this, and this is the first time you have heard the 21st Century Creative, at the end of every interview, I ask my guest to set you, dear listener, a creative challenge. So this is something that you can do that will stretch you creatively and maybe as a person, and it will be on theme for the interview, and it's something that you can do or get started doing within seven days of listening to this conversation. So, Ichi, what's your creative challenge? Okay, I would like to the listener to think about their own creative work and the traditional history of their art or craft. Mm-hmm. So my challenge is, have a look at the traditional form of your artwork, mm-hmm. maybe a certain type of art, or mm-hmm. music, or writing, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Then ask yourself, what is happening with this traditional right now? Is anyone doing something new with it? And then research that, see what you can find. Mm-hmm. And then ask yourself, what could I do? That would be a new version of this old tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe you could experiment with a new type of work just to see what happened. Beautiful. I love that. Um, okay, so this is very similar to what you do. So you, yeah. you want the listener to think about the tradition in their work, 
maybe do a little bit of research and look into the history of the, the kind of work you do, where that came from, and then see, okay, now who is extending it? Who's doing something new today? And maybe ask, well, what could I do? How could I join in and start to experiment? So that's a lovely creative challenge, Itchy. It's very much on theme for the 21st century creative, where we've been saying something old, something new is one of the mottos of the show. So, Itchy, I'm sure people will be very curious, having heard you speak about your work. Where can they go to see some of your work? Where can they find you online? Um, I have a website, uh, artist website, mm -hmm. ichihatano.com. Okay. And then you can see my work on the Instagram, uh, ICHI underscore H-A-T-A-N-O, Ichihatano. Okay. I-C-H-I underscore H-A-T-A-N-O. Okay. Yes. And it's the same for the website.com, but minus the underscore. Uh, yes. So it's ichihatano.com. Okay. Yes. And I would really encourage you to, if you're listening to this, to, to go and see Ichi's website, his Instagram, his YouTube videos. It, it, there's some incredible work there. It's really exciting and, and quite a variety, you know, to see Ichi tattooing an image on somebody's skin and then the images in the book, the dragons. And also I'm very curious to see the house project. Um, <laughs> it's a Konnichiwa channel. Konnichiwa channel. Yeah, Konnichiwa Space Channel on YouTube. <laughs> okay, Konnichiwa Space Channel. Okay, obviously I will yeah. make sure I link to this in the show notes and we'll get some videos in the show notes as well. Um, make sure we've got some links to the okay. NFT artwork. If anybody would like to collect a unique piece from Itchy, that would be a uh, I'm sure that will be very collectible in future. So are there any new projects, any current projects that you would like to tell us about? No, just uh, still uh, we are doing a DIY renovation. That's quite busy right now. Okay, okay, that's cool. You've got plenty to, to do. Yeah, and a uh, um, couple of uh, NFT projects uh, I, I got invited, but uh, still not sure, so... Okay. Okay. Well, I guess if we go to your website, then we can mm -hmm. find the new projects and follow you on Instagram. Yes. Thank you so much. And that would be great. Brilliant. Ichi, thank you so much for your time and your... Thank you so much for your time too. <laughs> it's a, a really amazing story. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so glad to have found this. So thank you very much. Domo arigato. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You have been listening to The 21st Century Creative, hosted by Mark McGuinness. You can find the notes for today's episode with more about my guest, as well as all the backlist episodes at 21stCenturyCreative.fm. If you enjoyed the show, then I hope you will subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and take a few seconds to swipe and leave a rating for the show. If you would like to take the 21st Century Creative Foundation course to help you carve out an original creative career, you can sign up and get the whole course for free at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash free course. And if you are an experienced creative 
and you're curious about getting my help as a private coaching client, then the first step is to go to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash coaching questions and answer the questions on that page. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me again soon.